change of scenery was all I really wanted. After finalizing my divorce, I vowed to never again get into toxic relationships. Knowing that I would be a single mom now, I needed to find a way to get back to basics. That's why when I found a small, two-bedroom house in a little town, I jumped at the opportunity. My son Liam would start first grade the day after we arrived. Instead of being cooped up in the house unpacking boxes, we loaded up in the car to explore our new home. This new place had all the small-town aesthetics you could want. It was also dripping with history as an old mining town. As we stopped at a local park to take a walk, several monuments had been set up in the center to tell the story of the original settlement. Liam was happily running in a grassy field around the structure while I read from the engraved stone plaques. Apparently, the town had been very successful, becoming a major railroad junction as settlers traveled west. In addition, mining was also a main economic driver of the town. Unfortunately, that point was mired in tragedy. A cave-in killed several of the local men. The story of the attempts to rescue them were long and detailed. The technology of the time was just not enough to extract them, and all souls trapped below had perished. I continued to circle the monument, taking in the tragic story. As if to add insult to injury, a sickness took the town shortly after the accident. It sadly took the lives of several small children of the townspeople. A pestilence that burned through the town like an unchecked fire. Though the town eventually recovered from these two tragedies, they led many locals down a path of superstition to claim the town had suffered from a curse. The monument itself had been erected in those early days in response to this curse, reinforced and repaired over the years and decades to stand the test of time. All of this was utterly fascinating to read, and it was surprising that such detail and myth were documented in a public place. I looked up from the plaques and to a stone statue. It had a man dragging in stakes on a rail line, another with a miner's hat, and then a settler holding a map. All three were symbols of growth for the town at some point in history. In the middle of these three figures was a large cross, standing tall above them, symbolizing faith, and to honor those souls lost in the early years of the settlement. Mommy, look at this! called Liam from somewhere around the base of the monument. I climbed down the steps and made my way to where Liam was standing, his arm outstretched, pointing at a pile of small toys that had been set along the side. Strange, I said. They must have been for the lost children, I thought, sadly. Locals bring toys to honor those young people who died so tragically to an illness before they even had a chance. Can I take one, Mommy? asked Liam. No, honey, no. Those are for the monument, not us, I said quickly. Why? he pressed. They're for the kids that passed away a long time ago. I'll explain more when you're a little older. Just leave the toys alone, okay? I tried explaining in limited detail. Okay, he said, disappointed but understood. I traveled home as the sun waned behind the tall trees that covered most of the landscape. The light dimmed as we drove along the road where only slivers of the fading daylight pierced through. 
After pulling into the driveway, I sent Liam inside to get ready for bed and school the next day, while I began the arduous task of unpacking boxes. The next day, Liam woke up excitedly for his first day of school. We walked the quiet streets on the way to the building. Liam skipped along the sidewalk, backpack looking too big relative to the rest of him. I thought about how I'd miss these days, when he was so little and innocent. We were able to arrive at the school a little early and meet his teacher. She was sweet and helped him find his seat and unpack his supplies. She assured me he would fit right in with the other students. With an unavoidable tug at the heartstrings, I waved at him as he grabbed a box of crayons and began to color on a piece of paper as the other students began to arrive. The walk home was calm and quiet. The cool morning air felt crisp and refreshing. This really was going to be the perfect place for us to start over. The rest of my day was consumed with unpacking. The boxes felt never-ending, as if I had somehow packed a home twice as large as the one I left. I began to wonder, as I tore apart my tenth box, why I kept so much junk. The packing process became more of a panic as time was running out on our previous lease. I happily went to go and pick up Liam when school was over, welcoming the break from the endless cardboard. He ran down the sidewalk to me, and I gave him a giant hug. How was school, Liam? I asked cheerily. Good, he replied. Did you make any new friends? I continued. Yes, he said emphatically. I met a boy who says he lives right next to us. Says he'll come over and play today. I was a little taken aback, surprised that Liam had so accurately communicated where we lived as a first grader. Wow, look at you, I said, genuinely happy that he'd adapted so quickly. We rounded the corner into our neighborhood, the house being just inside the exit to the arterial street the school was on. I looked around as we approached, expecting to see another family walking another boy Liam's age home. It was just us, though. The street otherwise clear except for an elderly man cutting his lawn. Maybe they like to drive, I wondered. Disappointed I didn't get a chance to meet the neighbors, I turned my attention inside where Liam had thrown his bag down onto the floor. Honey, come pick this up. You know we don't leave things on the floor. I scolded him. Sorry, Mom. Oh, hey, it's my friend, he said, pointing behind me. I turned and jumped a little. There was a small boy who was undoubtedly close to Liam's age standing right behind me. Oh, hello there, I said. What's your name? The boy didn't say anything. He just stood there, staring at me. Do you live in one of the houses nearby? I continued. Still, the little boy said nothing. Come on, Mom, we want to play, Liam chimed in. Okay, honey, have fun. Don't play with any of the boxes out here, okay? I said. Okay, he said, waving for the other boy to follow him into his room. They disappeared around the corner and started to play with some of Liam's Legos. I glanced outside, looking for a parent of the little boy, but no one was there. Did he just walk over here by himself? The kids seemed happy, though, laughing as they made little monsters to crash into each other. I unpacked the boxes close by to keep an eye on things. When the evening came, I decided it was time for this new little boy to leave, so I turned the corner to Liam's room. 
Liam was there, playing by himself. Liam? I asked. Was the boy you were playing with? Oh, he had to go home, he said. By himself? I replied, shocked that I hadn't noticed this happen. Yep, he lives super close, Mom, he said matter-of-factly. Honey, we should make sure he gets home safe, and I'd also like to meet his parents, I explained. Liam shrugged, going back to his Legos and not really understanding why I was so concerned. The whole thing seemed bizarre, but maybe the boy was just shy. I'd been a shy kid around adults when I was little. Liam seemed to have fun too, so I concluded I was overthinking this. The next day, I picked up Liam from school. He was still really enjoying his class, but I could tell that he'd stayed up too late the night before. Did you see your new friend at school? I asked. Yep. He said we should play again today, he said excitedly. Honey, don't you think you should rest? It's been a busy last couple of days, I argued. Aw, but I want to play, he said. I silently groaned in my head. I really needed to focus on unpacking Liam's room, but it was important for him to make new friends as well. We'll see, Liam, I said, but knew that I would probably be giving in. We arrived home, and Liam hung up his backpack on a hook near the door. I told him to go organize his things, and if his friend arrived, he could play, which he happily agreed to. I went to the kitchen and began carefully unwrapping glassware when I heard giggling and laughing in Liam's room. Walking over there, I began to reiterate about him being responsible for things. Honey, we agreed you needed to organize your things before you started to play, I said, but trailed off. The little neighborhood boy was in his room already, and they had started playing a game on the floor. Oh, hello, I said, unable to hide being a little shocked by his appearance. The boy looks notably paler than yesterday. I wondered if it was the light, but it couldn't be. His skin had clearly gone a different shade. Are you okay? I asked the little boy, approaching him. He just stood, staring at me again, not saying a word. I didn't really want this boy playing with Liam if he was sick. How about I walk you back home and we can talk to your parents, I said, offering a hand and motioning to the door. Aw, Mom, can't he stay and play? asked Liam. No, honey, he's clearly not what... I stopped and gasped as the little boy grabbed my hand. I was expecting him to feel warm, almost hot and feverish, but his hand was like ice on mine. I shivered like a reflex when the little hand grasped onto mine. The little boy didn't say anything, just continued to stare up into my eyes. I took him and began to walk outside, hoping to see a parent or someone else who would be responsible for him. Okay, where is your house? I asked. He let go of me then, giggling and running away. I tried to chase him, but he went out of sight around the house, and I completely lost him. Somehow he disappeared, inexplicably evading me. I went back inside, perplexed as to how he got away. Liam was there in his room, laying on his bed. What's wrong, honey? I asked him. I'm just tired, he said. Pulling the covers over top of him, I flicked the light to his room. He was fast asleep already, snoring quietly into his pillow. This whole thing felt off. The ice-cold child and now Liam seemingly under the weather. I vowed to keep a closer eye on the door. 
I must have left it unlocked. Next time, I'll talk with that other boy's parents. As I went to close the door, something on Liam's bed caught my eye. A small toy, something I'd never seen before. I approached, curious what it was. Liam was holding onto a small rail car in his hand. It looked like an antique almost, like it had been hand carved out of hardwood. I tried to take it out of his hand to have a closer look, but he gripped it harder and put his hand under his pillow. Not wanting to wake him, I decided to let it go for now. The next day, I had one of my best friends coming out to help unpack the house. I was grateful for the assistance, hands dry and cracked from handling the dusty cardboard for hours on end. Tracy arrived about midday before Liam finished up school. It was a breath of fresh air to have some adult time at last. She went to the school with me to pick up Liam. The normally spunky kid who would run to me was lagging near the back of the line. His head was down and he seemed completely dejected. Are you all right, Liam? I asked. I don't feel very good, he groaned, hands on his stomach as if he was in pain. Aw, poor guy, Tracy sympathized. We made the walk home with Liam in my arms. He fell asleep almost immediately, arms wrapped around me but barely holding on. You think he's sick? Tracy asked. I don't know, I replied. He's been getting sick ever since we moved in. Maybe you have mold, she guessed. I shook my head doubtfully. I made sure the house was fully inspected. It wasn't anything to do with where we were living. The only difference was this boy, the strange boy that had been visiting us, who was somehow getting inside the house without me noticing and vanishing the second I wanted to find his parents. After we arrived home, I placed Liam in his bed, pulling the covers over top of him. He stayed asleep even as the creaky door to his room whined as I pulled it shut. Tracy and I sat outside in lawn chairs. We continued to catch up, but I also let her in on my dilemma with the boy in the neighborhood. And you've never seen his parents? She asked. No, it's weird. Maybe it's a small town thing? I theorized. After a couple of hours, both Tracy and I paused our conversation. A strange sound could be heard inside the house. I couldn't mistake the sound of Liam's laughter and a giggling noise, like he was playing with someone. Tracy and I looked at each other a look of foreboding painted on her face. I stood, looking back at the front door and window. Liam's room, located closest to us, it was unmistakably him making the noises, so I pressed forward, intent on seeing why he was out of bed. As the front door opened, I looked into the room and saw the boy in there laughing and running around with Liam. There's just no way he could have gotten inside without us seeing him. We were out there the whole time. Turning to Tracy, I mouthed, He's here, to her. She looked surprised. But how? She asked quietly under her breath. I shook my head, straining to find an explanation that made sense. Liam? Is your friend here? I asked. He didn't answer. They were so consumed in their game. I opened the door wider, making my presence known. Honey, do you want to introduce your little friend to Auntie Tracy? I asked. The two boys stopped playing, but didn't say anything. Tracy looked from Liam to me. 
strangely confused look on her face. That's when I smelled something really strange. The neighborhood boy in the room, he smelled like something rotten. He had gone paler, maybe even a little greener, since the last time I saw him. There was sincerely something wrong with him. I backed up, shocked a little at the sensory overload. I motioned for Tracy to follow me outside, which she did. Something is really wrong with that boy, Tracy, I said. With Liam? she asked. No, I said, a little confused. That little neighborhood boy, the smell coming off of him. Tracy paused for a moment, staring back at me with a look of concern on her face. I definitely smelled something, but that must have been Liam. I don't know what you're talking about with some other boy, she said. Tracy, he was right there. Didn't you see him? He looked terribly sick, too, I said, getting a little frustrated. No, I didn't see him. Are you messing with me right now? Is that what this is? It's not really funny, she said. I'm not messing with you. There's a sick child in there, and it's not Liam, I said, maybe starting to lose my temper a little. Tracy's look of concern and confusion started to turn as well. She really didn't see him? She thinks I'm just making this whole thing up. I think you need to get Liam to a doctor, she started. That smell. And he's so tight. It's not Liam! I shouted at her, cutting her off and making her jump a little. Realizing my mistake, I collected myself. I'm, I'm sorry, Tracy. I said quickly, trying to make amends. I think I'm gonna go, Tracy said, her tone flat and disappointed. She turned and started to move to her car. Despite my attempts to rectify the situation, she told me she was going anyway, adamant that I should take Liam to a doctor and move myself to a therapist. Completely dejected, I watched as she backed down the driveway and then drove away. I turned to the door, intending to go inside and have this little boy take me to his parents. Except there was no need. He was already there, standing in the doorway. He was looking at the back of Tracy's car as she drove away. A smile spread across his face. He turned back to me and then motioned for me to follow him back inside of my own house. I followed, planning on putting a stop to this weird situation once and for all. However, the scene that was waiting for me was beyond anything I could have expected. Liam was there, sprawled out on the bare floor. The little boy was there too, looking paler and greener than a few minutes prior. His skin was beginning to crack and separate in several places. He raised his hand suddenly and Liam's body responded, standing straight up with no support whatsoever. His eyes were closed, almost as if he was sleeping. The boy began to move his hands rhythmically as if he was conducting a symphony. Liam's body began to sway and dance like a marionette on a string. I put my hand to my mouth, shocked and horrified at the sight. Stop it! I cried out. The little boy didn't, though. He just looked up at me, but continued his puppet show with my sleeping son. Tell me what you want! I capitulated. His hands came to a rest at that last statement. Gently motioning downward, Liam again lay down onto the floor. The boy turned to look at me again, as if expecting something more. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, just... Leave him, leave us alone, I told the boy, the creature, 
whatever this was. The boy smiled up at me, reaching into his back pocket and pulling out a small toy, the handmade train that I saw in Liam's hand yesterday. He smiled, motioning for me to come closer. With my face near his, the pungent smell of rotting flesh started to overwhelm me. I wanted to gag and wretch, and it was everything I had not to keel over entirely. He leaned forward then, nearly touching the side of my face, and whispered, Take me to the park, he said. I moved away from his face, nodding in agreement, tears streaming down my face as I rose, going toward Liam. He was still asleep, thankfully, completely unaware of what was happening. I scooped him up into my arms and walked through the door to my car. Buckling him into his seat, the strange boy had already somehow gotten into the seat beside him. He was still wearing the smile on his face, content that I was doing as I was told. As I turned the ignition to start the car, I looked in the rearview mirror, expecting to see both boys in the back seat, but it was only Liam. I turned quickly, but there he was, still smiling. Let's go, he said, never dropping the smile from his face. I put the car in gear and backed out of the driveway. Once in drive, I went down the road, unsure what I was doing, what this little boy was going to show me. The drive to the park was clear and calm of traffic, the sun starting to dip below the trees again in the afternoon hours. The weather was changing, though, dark clouds rolling across the sky, drowning out the colors and making everything an unusual palette of gray. I pulled into a parking space in the empty lot. After getting Liam out of his seat, I found the boy already standing on the sidewalk, motioning for me to follow. With Liam limply hanging onto me, we walked along the path until reaching the center of the park with the monument, three figures standing tall over the field of grass. Instead of going to it, though, the boy led me to a tree on the outer edge of the circle. He pointed at a hollowed-out section of the trunk. I set Liam down on the sidewalk gently and then moved to the tree. The boy was still near it, pointing to the inside. I looked from him to the hollow, dark interior of the tree. Reaching my hand inside, I felt around until I found something that felt out of place. Something cool and rigid, like a chunk of metal. I turned to the boy, who was nodding his head at me in confirmation. I pulled on the piece of metal to dislodge it. Something hit against the inside of the tree as I realized there was a handle attached to this chunk of metal. Using both hands, I yanked hard and pulled free a large tool from the hollow depths of the tree. I looked down and found myself holding a large and heavy pickaxe. The thing must have been ancient, rusted and worn. Any finish on the handle had been long removed by years of being outside. The boy stepped in front of me, looking from the pickaxe to me. He motioned for me to follow again. He was looking utterly wretched now. His seemingly living body had decayed to the point where sections of skin were peeling off entirely. We marched to the center of the circle, me with Liam in one arm, the tool in the other. We made our way right up to the monument of the three figures. I looked to the boy for further instruction. Without a word, he just raised his hands and mimicked a swinging motion, as if he had taken the pickaxe himself and swung it downward into the monument. Setting Liam down on the ground gently, I took the tool in both of my hands, unsure of what I was doing. What 
doing this thing's bidding would mean. The only thing I knew was that I had to do it. I had to save Liam. There was simply no other choice to be made. I raised the tool above my head and brought it down with all of my strength onto the monument. The effect was shocking. I was forced backward by a sudden feedback from the structure. Falling backward onto the grass next to Liam, I watched as the monument began to fracture in half, the different figures crumbling as the pad they stood on completely fell apart. The boy stepped in front of me, still smiling, never changing expression. The clouds continued to roll in, fast and heavy. Thunder rumbled in the sky, and that's when the boy raised his hand. Liam was lifted into the air, only now he was awake. Mom? Liam said, a note of panic in his voice. The little boy lowered his hand and Liam fell to the ground, missing the landing and going to his knees. He began to cry as I rushed forward and took him into my arms. I backed up from the little boy who continued to stand there. That's when I saw them. Hands. Hundreds and hundreds of hands had pushed out of the ground all around me. They moved, flattening their palms against the earth and pushing downward. The bodies of rotten figures started pushing and pulling themselves out of the ground, exhuming themselves from primitive graves all around me. I turned and ran, past several hands and arms that were still working on pushing the rest of their rotten bodies out of the earth. Down the path and to my car, I put Liam into the seat. He was crying, terrified beside himself. Who could blame him? I got into the driver's seat and turned the ignition, engine roaring into life. I looked up to the path we just came from and saw them, hundreds of them, decaying, rotting bodies that had been hidden below the earth, the little boy standing in the lead in front of them, that strange little smile on his face. I backed up and drove out of there, foot slamming the pedal to the floor. There's no way I was stopping, returning to that house, tempting whatever this was to revisit us. As I turned the corner to the interstate, the sky completely darkened from the rush of clouds driving out every inch of the sky. I wondered what I had done, what I had released into this town. I looked once more back at Liam and then hit the gas once again to put as many miles between us and those things as I could.